English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning, I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about success. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I'm really interested in learning about what it takes to be successful. English teacher, that's a great topic. Success can mean different things to different people. Can you tell me what success means to you? Student, to me, success means achieving my goals and being happy with what I have accomplished. English teacher, that's a wonderful definition. Goals play a crucial role in achieving success. So, let's start by discussing how to set goals effectively. First, it's important to set specific goals that are clear and measurable. For example, instead of saying, I want to improve my English, you could say, I want to increase my vocabulary by learning five new words every day. Student, I see. So, setting specific goals helps to give a clear direction and makes it easier to track progress. English teacher, exactly. Setting specific goals helps you focus your efforts and measure your achievements. Additionally, it's important to set realistic goals. It's great to aim high, but setting goals that are too unrealistic can lead to frustration and disappointment. Student, that makes sense. So, it's important to find a balance between setting challenging goals and making sure they are achievable. English teacher, absolutely. Finding that balance is key. Now, let's talk about the importance of hard work and perseverance in achieving success. Success rarely comes without effort. It's important to put in the time and energy to develop the skills necessary for your goals. Student, I agree. Hard work and perseverance are crucial. But sometimes, I feel discouraged when things don't go as planned. How can I stay motivated? English teacher, that's a common feeling, and it's important to address it. One way to stay motivated is to break your goals down into smaller, more manageable tasks. Celebrate your accomplishments along the way, no matter how small they may seem. Also, surround yourself with positive and supportive people who can encourage you when you face challenges. Student, those are great tips. Breaking goals into smaller tasks and celebrating milestones will definitely keep me motivated. I'll also make sure to find supportive people to keep me encouraged. English teacher, fantastic. Remember, success is not just about achieving specific goals, it's also about personal growth and learning from failures. Mistakes and setbacks are opportunities to learn and improve. Embrace them as part of your journey towards success. Student, that's a valuable perspective. I'll keep in mind that failures are not the end, but chances to grow and become better. English teacher, exactly. Now, let's discuss the importance of self-belief. It's crucial to have confidence in your abilities and believe that you can succeed. Developing a positive mindset and cultivating self-belief will help you overcome obstacles and stay focused on your goals. Student, I struggle with self-doubt sometimes, but I understand the importance of self-belief. I'll work on building my confidence and believing in myself. English teacher, that's wonderful to hear. Remember, success is a journey, and it looks different for everyone. It's important to define success on your own terms and not compare yourself to others. Focus on your progress and the fulfillment you gain from achieving your own goals. Student, thank you for the guidance. I now have a better understanding of what it takes to be successful. 
I'll set specific and realistic goals, work hard, stay motivated, embrace failures, believe in myself, and define success on my own terms. English teacher, you're my one of the best student. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about coaches. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I'm curious to learn more about what a coach does and how they can help individuals. English teacher, that's a great topic. A coach is someone who provides guidance, support, and expertise in a specific area to help individuals achieve their goals and reach their full potential. Coaches can be found in various fields, such as sports, academics, or personal development. Student, oh, I see. So, a coach is like a mentor or a teacher who helps people improve in a particular area? English teacher, yes, exactly. While coaches share similarities with mentors and teachers, their focus is usually on helping individuals set and achieve specific goals. Coaches provide structured guidance, feedback, and accountability to facilitate personal growth and success. Student, that sounds interesting. Can you give me some examples of different types of coaches? English teacher, of course. Let's start with sports coaches. They work with athletes or teams, providing training, strategy, and motivation to improve performance. Then we have academic coaches who assist students with study skills, time management, and exam preparation to enhance their learning outcomes. Student, I can see how sports and academic coaches are helpful. Are there coaches for personal development as well? English teacher, absolutely. Personal development coaches focus on helping individuals enhance their overall well-being, happiness, and success. They can assist with setting and achieving personal goals, improving self-confidence, managing stress, and developing healthy habits. Student, that's really interesting. So, coaches can help with different aspects of life and not just academics or sports. English teacher, that's correct. Coaches can be found in various areas such as career coaching, leadership coaching, relationship coaching, and even health and wellness coaching. Each type of coach has specialized knowledge and skills tailored to their respective fields. Student, how does the coaching process work? Do people meet with their coaches regularly? English teacher, yes, regular meetings or sessions are a typical part of the coaching process. During these sessions, the coach and the individual discuss goals, progress, challenges, and strategies for improvement. Coaches may provide guidance, offer tools and resources, and help individuals create action plans to move closer to their objectives. Student, it sounds like having a coach can be beneficial. How can someone find the right coach for their needs? English teacher, finding the right coach is essential for a successful coaching experience. Individuals can start by identifying their specific goals and the area in which they need assistance. Then, they can research and seek recommendations for coaches who specialize in that area. It's also important to consider the coach's qualifications, experience, and coaching approach to ensure a good fit. Student, that makes sense. It's important to find someone who has the expertise and approach that aligns with your needs and preferences. English teacher, exactly. Remember, coaching is a collaborative process, so it's crucial to establish a good rapport and trust with your coach. Open communication and a comfortable working relationship contribute to a more productive coaching experience. 
Student, I appreciate all this information about coaches. It's given me a better understanding of how they can help individuals in various aspects of their lives. English teacher, I'm glad to hear that. Coaches can be valuable allies in personal and professional growth. If you ever feel the need for guidance or support in achieving your goals, consider reaching out to a coach who specializes in your area of interest. Student, I will definitely keep that in mind. Thank you for your guidance and explanation about coaches. English teacher, you're welcome. It was my pleasure to help. If you have any more questions in the future, feel free to ask. Good luck with your studies. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about people. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I find people fascinating, and I want to learn more about different types of people and their characteristics. English teacher, that's a wonderful topic. People are indeed diverse and interesting. Let's start by discussing the different types of people we encounter in our lives. There are introverts and extroverts, for example. Introverts tend to be more reserved and gain energy from spending time alone, while extroverts are outgoing and gain energy from social interactions. Student, oh, I see. So, introverts and extroverts have different ways of interacting with others and recharging themselves. English teacher, exactly. It's important to understand that these are just general tendencies and that individuals can fall anywhere along the introvert-extrovert spectrum. Now, let's talk about personalities. People have different personality traits that shape their behaviors and attitudes. Student, can you give me some examples of personality traits? English teacher, of course. Some common personality traits include being kind, outgoing, organized, creative, or empathetic. These traits can influence how individuals approach life, interact with others, and handle various situations. Student, I see. So, a person's personality traits play a significant role in their behaviors and actions. English teacher, absolutely. Personality traits contribute to the uniqueness of individuals. Now, let's explore another aspect of people, their cultural backgrounds. People come from diverse cultures, each with its own customs, traditions, and values. Student, that's interesting. So, cultural background shapes the way people think, behave, and view the world around them? English teacher, yes, culture plays a crucial role in shaping a person's identity and worldview. It influences their beliefs, values, language, and even their communication styles. Understanding and appreciating different cultures promotes empathy and fosters positive interactions with people from diverse backgrounds. Student, that's a valuable perspective. It's important to be open-minded and respectful of different cultures and the people who come from them. English teacher, absolutely. Now, let's discuss another aspect of people, their motivations and goals. People are driven by different things in life. Some may be motivated by personal success, while others may prioritize relationships, making a difference in the world, or pursuing their passions. Student, so, people have different priorities and aspirations based on their motivations and goals. English teacher, exactly. It's important to remember that everyone has their own unique journey and what motivates one person may not be the same for another. Respecting and supporting each other's goals and aspirations is essential. Student, I agree.
It's important to be supportive and understanding of others' dreams and aspirations, even if they differ from our own. English teacher, well said. Lastly, let's touch on the importance of communication and understanding people. Effective communication allows us to connect with others, share ideas, and build meaningful relationships. Student, that's true. Good communication skills help us better understand people and avoid misunderstandings. English teacher, precisely. Active listening, empathy, and clear expression are key components of effective communication. By actively listening and trying to understand others' perspectives, we can foster stronger connections and create a more inclusive and supportive environment. Student, I will definitely work on improving my communication skills and being more attentive to others. English teacher, that's a great mindset. Remember, people are complex and diverse, and understanding and appreciating those differences is essential in building strong relationships and fostering a harmonious society. Student, thank you for your guidance and explanation about people. I now have a better understanding and appreciation for the diverse characteristics and backgrounds that make each person unique. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions in the future, feel free to ask. Understanding people is an ongoing journey, and I'm here to support you. Good luck. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about the word make. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I find the word make quite versatile, and I want to learn more about its different uses and meanings. English teacher, that's a great topic. The word make indeed has multiple meanings and can be used in various contexts. Let's start by discussing its most common uses. One of the primary meanings of make is to create or construct something. Student, so, make is used when someone produces or builds something? English teacher, exactly. For example, we can say, I want to make a cake or he made a table. In these sentences, make indicates the act of creating or constructing something. Student, I see. Make is used to describe the process of creating or building things. Are there any other ways make is commonly used? English teacher, absolutely. Another common use of make is to indicate causing or bringing about a particular state or condition. For example, we can say, the loud noise made me jump or his comment made her angry. Student, ah, I understand. So, in these cases, make describes the action of causing a specific reaction or emotion in someone. English teacher, that's correct. Make is used to express the cause and effect relationship between an action and its resulting state or reaction. It's important to note that in these cases, make is followed by a noun or an adjective. Student, got it. Make is followed by a noun or an adjective to show the result or reaction caused by an action. Are there any other meanings or uses of make? English teacher, yes, indeed. Make can also be used to indicate the achievement of a certain level or result. For example, we can say, she made a lot of progress in her English studies or he made it to the top of the mountain. Student, so, in these examples, make implies reaching or achieving a specific goal or outcome. English teacher, exactly. Make is used to express successful attainment or accomplishment. It shows that someone has reached a certain level of progress, success, or completion. Student, that's interesting. 
May can also convey the idea of achieving or reaching a specific goal or milestone. English teacher, absolutely. Now, let's talk about another use of make. It can be used in idiomatic expressions and collocations where the meaning may not be directly related to creating or causing something. Student, idiomatic expressions? What are those? English teacher, idiomatic expressions are phrases that have a different meaning from the individual words used. For example, we have expressions like make up, which means to reconcile after an argument, or make a decision, which means to choose or determine something. Student, ah, I understand. So, make is used in these expressions to convey specific meanings that go beyond its literal definition. English teacher, precisely. Idiomatic expressions add color and depth to the English language, and make is often a part of such expressions. Learning these expressions can greatly enhance your communication skills. Student, I'll make sure to study idiomatic expressions that include make. It's fascinating how language can have different layers of meaning. English teacher, it certainly is. Language is rich and dynamic, and exploring its nuances and intricacies is an exciting journey. Remember to practice using make in different contexts to become more comfortable and confident in its usage. Student, I will definitely practice using make in various ways to improve my understanding and fluency. Thank you for explaining its different uses to me. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Keep up the great work. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about the word often. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I often hear the word often being used, but I'm not entirely sure about its meaning and usage. Can you explain it to me? English teacher, absolutely. Often is an adverb that is used to express frequency or how frequently something happens. It indicates that an action or event happens many times or regularly. Student, ah, I see. So, often is used to describe how frequently something occurs. English teacher, exactly. For example, you can say, I often go for a walk in the evening or they often visit their grandparents on weekends. In both sentences, often indicates the frequency of the actions. Student, I understand now. So, often is used to talk about actions that happen regularly or repeatedly. English teacher, that's correct. Often helps us convey the idea of repetition or frequency in our statements. It is commonly used in both spoken and written English. Student, can you give me more examples of how often is used in sentences? English teacher, certainly. Here are a few more examples. She often takes a nap in the afternoon. They often meet for coffee on Friday mornings. We often listen to music while cooking dinner. In each of these sentences, often is used to describe the frequency of the actions being mentioned. Student, I see how often is used now. It's helpful to know how to express frequency in English. English teacher, absolutely. Being able to indicate how often something happens is important for effective communication. Often is a useful word to express that concept. Student, is there anything else I should know about using often? English teacher, yes, there's one more thing to keep in mind. The placement of often in a sentence can vary.
It can be placed before the main verb, after the verb be, or at the beginning or end of a sentence for emphasis. Student, could you give me an example of how often can be placed differently in a sentence? English teacher, certainly. Let's take the sentence he often reads books. Here are a few variations. Often, he reads books. He reads books often. He reads books very often. In these variations, the placement of often changes, but the meaning remains the same. It's a matter of stylistic preference and emphasis. Student, I understand now. The placement of often can be flexible depending on how we want to structure our sentences. English teacher, exactly. It's important to remember that English allows for some flexibility in word order and emphasis. As you become more comfortable with the language, you'll develop your own style and preferences. Student, thank you for explaining often to me. I feel more confident in using it now. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Keep practicing, and your English skills will continue to improve. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about the word challenging. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I often come across the word challenging, but I'm not entirely sure about its meaning and how to use it properly. Can you explain it to me? English teacher, absolutely. The word challenging is an adjective that describes something that is difficult or demanding. It refers to situations, tasks, or activities that require effort, skill, or determination to overcome. Student, I see. So, challenging is used to describe something that is not easy and requires a lot of effort. English teacher, exactly. For example, you can say, I find math problems challenging or learning a new language can be challenging. In both sentences, challenging is used to express the difficulty or the level of effort required. Student, I understand now. So, challenging is used to describe things that are difficult or require a lot of effort. English teacher, that's correct. Challenging is commonly used to describe academic tasks, professional endeavors, physical activities, and even personal situations that test our abilities and require us to work hard to overcome them. Student, can you give me more examples of how challenging is used in sentences? English teacher, certainly. Here are a few more examples. Climbing Mount Everest is a challenging feat. Writing a research paper can be challenging, but it's also rewarding. Running a marathon is a challenging goal to achieve. In each of these sentences, challenging is used to describe something that is difficult and requires perseverance and determination. Student, I see how challenging is used now. It helps to express the difficulty or the level of effort needed for certain tasks or activities. English teacher, absolutely. It's important to have a variety of words to describe the level of difficulty we encounter in different situations. Challenging is a useful word in that regard. Student, is there anything else I should know about using challenging? English teacher, yes, there's one more thing to keep in mind. Challenging can also be used in a positive sense, as it often implies an opportunity for growth, learning, and personal development. It's a chance to push ourselves and expand our capabilities. Student, that's interesting. 
So, even though something may be challenging, it can also be an opportunity for personal growth and improvement. English teacher, exactly. It's important to approach challenges with a positive mindset and see them as opportunities for self-improvement. Embracing challenges can lead to great achievements and personal growth. Student, thank you for explaining challenging to me. I now have a better understanding of its meaning and how to use it correctly. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Challenges are a part of life, and with determination and perseverance, you can overcome them. Keep up the great work. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about the word journey. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I often hear the word journey being used, but I'm not entirely sure about its meaning and usage. Can you explain it to me? English teacher, absolutely. The word journey refers to a traveling from one place to another, typically over a long distance or a significant period of time. It can be both a literal and metaphorical term. Student, I see. So, journey is used to describe the act of traveling from one place to another, whether physically or metaphorically. English teacher, that's correct. For example, we can say, I'm going on a journey to Europe next week or life is a journey filled with ups and downs. In both cases, journey is used to describe a process of traveling or progressing through different experiences. Student, I understand now. So, journey can refer to both physical travel and the broader experience of life. English teacher, precisely. Journey can be used to describe physical trips, such as vacations or business travels, as well as the metaphorical journey of personal growth, learning, or achieving goals. Student, can you give me more examples of how journey is used in sentences? English teacher, certainly. Here are a few more examples. She embarked on a spiritual journey to find inner peace. The marathon was a long and challenging journey, but he crossed the finish line. The book takes readers on a journey through history and culture. In these sentences, journey is used to describe different types of experiences and progressions. Student, I see how journey is used now. It helps to express the idea of progress and experiences in both literal and metaphorical sense. English teacher, absolutely. Journey is a versatile word that allows us to capture the concept of travel, personal growth, and the process of reaching a destination, both physical and metaphorical. Student, is there anything else I should know about using journey? English teacher, yes, there's one more thing to keep in mind. Journey is often used in a positive and reflective sense. It implies a sense of purpose, discovery, and transformation. It reminds us that the process and the experiences along the way are as important as the destination itself. Student, that's interesting. So, journey encourages us to appreciate the experiences and growth that occur during the process, rather than just focusing on the end result. English teacher, exactly. It's important to embrace the journey, learn from the challenges and experiences, and appreciate the progress you make along the way. Student, thank you for explaining journey to me. I now have a better understanding of its meaning and how to use it correctly. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. 
Life is a journey, and I'm here to support you on your language learning journey. Keep up the great work. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about the word where. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I often get confused about how to use where in different contexts. Can you help me understand it better? English teacher, absolutely. Where is an adverb that is used to ask about or indicate a location or place. It helps us understand the position or whereabouts of something or someone. Student, ah, I see. So, where is used to talk about a specific location or place. English teacher, that's correct. For example, you can ask, where is the library? Or do you know where she lives? In both sentences, where is used to inquire about a specific place or to indicate a location. Student, I understand now. So, where is used to ask about or indicate a specific location or place. English teacher, exactly. Where is a versatile word that allows us to seek information about a particular place or to describe the position of something or someone. Student, can you give me more examples of how where is used in sentences? English teacher, certainly. Here are a few more examples. Where did you go on your vacation? I wonder where my keys are. Do you know where the nearest post office is? In each of these sentences, where is used to inquire about a location or to express uncertainty about the position of something. Student, I see how where is used now. It helps to indicate a specific place or to seek information about a location. English teacher, that's right. It's important to use where when you want to talk about or ask about a specific place or position. Student, is there anything else I should know about using where? English teacher, yes, there's one more thing to keep in mind. Where is often used in conjunction with other words to form different phrases or expressions. For example, we have where are you from? To ask about someone's place of origin, or wherever you go to indicate that something applies no matter the location. Student, ah, I understand. So, where can be combined with other words to form different expressions that relate to location or position? English teacher, exactly. Where is often used in conjunction with prepositions, such as from, to, in, or at, to provide more specific information about the location or direction. Student, thank you for explaining where to me. I now have a better understanding of its meaning and usage. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Remember, knowing how to express and understand location is important for effective communication. Keep up the great work. English teacher, good morning. How are you today? Student, good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. So, I heard you wanted to talk about the word life. Is that correct? Student, yes, that's right. I often hear the word life being used, but I'm not entirely sure about its meaning and usage. Can you explain it to me? English teacher, absolutely. Life is a noun that refers to the existence of living organisms, including human beings. It encompasses the experiences, activities, and events that occur during a person's time on Earth. Student, I see. 
So, life is used to talk about the overall existence and experiences of living beings. English teacher, that's correct. For example, you can say, life is precious or she enjoys the simple pleasures of life. In both sentences, life is used to refer to the entire span of experiences and activities that make up a person's existence. Student, I understand now. So, life encompasses everything that happens to a person during their time on Earth. English teacher, exactly. Life is a broad term that covers various aspects of human existence, such as relationships, work, hobbies, and personal growth. Student, can you give me more examples of how life is used in sentences? English teacher, certainly. Here are a few more examples. Life is full of surprises. He is trying to find his purpose in life. The birth of a child brings new life into the world. In each of these sentences, life is used to describe different aspects of existence and the experiences associated with it. Student, I see how life is used now. It helps to express the overall concept of existence and the experiences that come with it. English teacher, that's correct. Life is a versatile word that allows us to talk about the entirety of human existence and the events and activities that shape it. Student, is there anything else I should know about using life? English teacher, yes, there's one more thing to keep in mind. Life can also be used metaphorically to represent vitality, energy, or the essence of living. For example, we have expressions like live your best life or life is what you make it, which convey the idea of embracing and maximizing the opportunities and experiences available to us. Student, ah, I understand. So, life can be used metaphorically to talk about living to the fullest and making the most of our experiences. English teacher, exactly. Life is often used in expressions that encourage us to appreciate and seize the opportunities that come our way, and to live with a sense of purpose and fulfillment. Student, thank you for explaining life to me. I now have a better understanding of its meaning and how to use it correctly. English teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Remember, life is a precious gift, and it's important to make the most of it. Keep up the great work. Teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Student. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm great, thank you. So, today let's talk about fruits. Fruits are an essential part of a healthy diet. Can you name a few fruits? Student. Um. Apples, bananas, and oranges. Teacher. Excellent. Those are some common fruits. Let's expand our list. How about strawberries, grapes, and watermelons? Can you think of any others? Student. Hmm. Pineapple and mango. Teacher. Yes, exactly. Pineapple and mango are tropical fruits. They are delicious and full of vitamins. Now, let's move on to some smaller fruits. Have you ever tried blueberries, raspberries, or blackberries? Student. No, I haven't. Are they similar to strawberries? Teacher. They are all berries, but they have their own unique flavors. Blueberries are small and sweet, raspberries have a tart taste, and blackberries are slightly sour. They are all packed with antioxidants and are great additions to your diet. Student. That's interesting. I'll have to try them sometime. Teacher. 
Definitely. Now, let's talk about citrus fruits. We mentioned oranges earlier, but there are others like lemons, limes, and grapefruits. Do you know any other citrus fruits? Student. Um, I'm not sure. Are tangerines and clementines citrus fruits? Teacher. Yes, you're absolutely right. Tangerines and clementines are both citrus fruits. They are smaller than oranges and have a sweeter taste. They are also easy to peel and make a great snack. Student. That's good to know. I'll keep that in mind. Teacher. Great. Now, let's talk about some exotic fruits. Have you ever heard of kiwi fruit, papaya, or passion fruit? Student. Yes, I have heard of kiwi fruit, but I'm not sure about the others. Teacher. Kiwi fruit is a small fruit with a fuzzy brown skin and bright green flesh. It has a sweet and tangy taste. Papaya is a tropical fruit with orange flesh and black seeds in the center. It has a sweet and musky flavor. Passion fruit is a round fruit with a purple or yellow skin. Inside, it has a juicy pulp with a tangy and tropical taste. Student. They all sound very interesting. I would love to try them someday. Teacher. That's great to hear. Trying new fruits is a fantastic way to expand your palate and discover new flavors. Remember, fruits are not only delicious but also packed with essential nutrients to keep us healthy. Student. I will definitely try to incorporate more fruits into my diet. Thank you for the information, Mr. Johnson. Teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. It was my pleasure. Keep exploring and enjoy the wonderful world of fruits. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me anytime. Student. I will. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Have a great day. Teacher. You too, Sarah. Take care and have a fantastic day ahead. Teacher. Good morning, John. How are you today? Student. Good morning, Ems. Smith. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Teacher. I'm great, thank you. Today, let's talk about vegetables. They are an essential part of a balanced diet. Can you name a few vegetables? Student. Um. Carrots, tomatoes, and potatoes. Teacher. Excellent. Those are some common vegetables. Let's expand our list. How about broccoli, spinach, and bell peppers? Can you think of any others? Student. Hmm. Cucumbers and lettuce? Teacher. Yes, exactly. Cucumbers are refreshing and crunchy, while lettuce is often used in salads. Now, let's move on to some root vegetables. Have you ever tried radishes, onions, or turnips? Student. No, I haven't. Are they similar to potatoes? Teacher. They are all root vegetables, but they have their own distinct flavors. Radishes are crisp and slightly spicy, onions have a strong taste, and turnips are slightly sweet and earthy. They can be cooked in various ways and are versatile in recipes. Student. That's interesting. I'll have to give them a try sometime. Teacher. Definitely. Now, let's talk about leafy greens. We mentioned lettuce earlier, but there are others like kale, spinach, and Swiss chard. Have you ever tried any of these? Student. No, I haven't. Are they different from regular lettuce? Teacher. Yes, they are. 
Leafy greens like kale, spinach, and Swiss chard are packed with nutrients and have their own unique flavors. Kale is slightly bitter, spinach has a mild taste, and Swiss chard is slightly earthy. They can be eaten raw in salads or cooked in various dishes. Student. That's good to know. I'll keep that in mind. Teacher. Great. Now, let's talk about some cruciferous vegetables. Have you ever heard of cauliflower, cabbage, or Brussels sprouts? Student. Yes, I have heard of cauliflower, but I'm not sure about the others. Teacher. Cauliflower is a versatile vegetable that can be cooked in many ways, including being used as a substitute for rice or pizza crust. Cabbage is often used in coleslaw or stir-fries, and Brussels sprouts are many cabbages that can be roasted or sautéed. They all have their unique tastes and textures. Student. They all sound very interesting. I would love to try them someday. Teacher. That's great to hear. Trying new vegetables is a fantastic way to add variety to your meals and discover new flavors. Remember, vegetables are not only nutritious but also provide important vitamins and minerals for our bodies. Student. I will definitely try to incorporate more vegetables into my diet. Thank you for the information, Ems. Smith. Teacher. You're welcome, John. It was my pleasure. Keep exploring and enjoy the wonderful world of vegetables. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me anytime. Student. I will. Thank you, Ems. Smith. Have a great day. Teacher. You too, John. Take care and have a fantastic day ahead. Teacher. Good morning, class. Today, we're going to discuss different types of meats. Let's start with the basics. Can anyone tell me what meat is? Student. Meat is food that comes from animals, right? Teacher. That's correct. Meat refers to the edible parts of animals that we consume as food. Now, can you name some common types of meats? Student. Um, chicken, beef, pork, and lamb. Teacher. Excellent. Those are indeed some common types of meat. Chicken is a popular poultry meat, while beef comes from cows and pork from pigs. Lamb is meat from young sheep. These meats have distinct characteristics and flavors. Student. Is there a difference between white meat and red meat? Teacher. Yes, there is. White meat generally refers to lighter colored meats, like poultry, such as chicken and turkey. These meats are typically lower in fat compared to red meat. Red meat, on the other hand, includes beef, pork, and lamb. It has a darker color and tends to be richer in flavor. Student. Oh, I see. Are there any health considerations when it comes to eating meat? Teacher. Absolutely. While meat is a good source of protein and essential nutrients, it's important to consume it in moderation. Some studies suggest that excessive red meat consumption may increase the risk of certain health issues. It's recommended to balance your diet with a variety of foods, including lean meats, fish, vegetables, and whole grains. Student. That makes sense. Are there any alternative options for people who don't eat meat? Teacher. Yes, indeed. Some individuals follow vegetarian or vegan diets, which exclude meat and animal products. They rely on plant-based protein sources like legumes, tofu, tempeh, and seitan. These alternatives can provide the necessary nutrients found in meat, such as protein, iron, and zinc. Student. 
Are there any cultural or religious practices related to meat consumption? Teacher. Absolutely. Different cultures and religions have specific dietary practices concerning meat. For example, some religions prohibit the consumption of pork, like Judaism and Islam. In certain cultures, such as India, many people follow vegetarian or predominantly vegetarian diets due to cultural and religious beliefs. Student. That's interesting. How should meat be stored and handled safely? Teacher. Meat should be stored at proper temperatures to prevent bacterial growth. It's important to keep raw meat separate from other foods to avoid cross-contamination. When handling raw meat, it's crucial to wash your hands and surfaces thoroughly to maintain hygiene. Cooking meat to the recommended internal temperature is also essential to ensure it's safe to eat. Student. Thank you for the information. I learned a lot about meats today. Teacher. You're welcome. I'm glad you found it helpful. Remember, understanding different types of meats and making informed choices about our diet is essential for a balanced and healthy lifestyle. Teacher. Good morning, class. Today, we're going to discuss delicious foods. Can anyone tell me what comes to mind when they hear the term delicious foods? Student. Um, I think a food that tastes really good and makes me want to eat more of it. Teacher. Absolutely. Delicious foods are those that are incredibly flavorful and enjoyable to eat. They can bring a lot of pleasure and satisfaction to our taste buds. Now, let's explore some examples of delicious foods. Can you name a few? Student. Pizza, burgers, ice cream, and chocolate cake are some delicious foods I can think of. Teacher. Great choices. Pizza and burgers are popular savory options, while ice cream and chocolate cake fall under the sweet category. These foods are often considered indulgent treats because of their rich flavors. However, it's important to enjoy them in moderation as part of a balanced diet. Student. Are there any other types of delicious foods besides those? Teacher. Absolutely. Delicious foods can encompass a wide range of dishes and cuisines. For example, you might find dishes like lasagna, sushi, fried chicken, tacos, pasta, and curry to be incredibly delicious. These foods vary in taste, texture, and ingredients, catering to different preferences and cultural backgrounds. Student. Why do some foods taste so delicious to us? Teacher. Ah, excellent question. Our sense of taste plays a significant role in determining what we find delicious. Our taste buds can detect different flavors like sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami. Foods that strike a balance between these flavors and have pleasing textures tend to be more enjoyable to our taste buds. Student. What about cultural differences in defining delicious foods? Teacher. That's a great point. The concept of delicious foods can indeed vary across different cultures. What one culture considers incredibly delicious, another might not find as appealing. Cultural preferences, ingredients available in different regions, and traditional cooking techniques all contribute to the diversity of delicious foods around the world. Student. Can healthy foods also be delicious? Teacher. Absolutely. Healthy foods can be just as delicious as indulgent treats. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and legumes can all be prepared in ways that bring out their natural flavors and make them incredibly tasty. Experimenting with different seasonings, herbs, and spices can enhance the taste of healthy dishes. Student. 
How can we make sure we're making healthy choices when it comes to delicious foods? Teacher. Making healthy choices when it comes to delicious foods requires mindful eating. It's important to listen to your body's hunger and fullness cues and eat in moderation. Incorporating a variety of nutritious foods into your diet, such as lean proteins, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, is key. It's also beneficial to limit the consumption of foods high in added sugars, unhealthy fats, and sodium. Student. Thank you for the information. Now I have a better understanding of delicious foods and how to make healthier choices. Teacher. You're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Remember, enjoying delicious foods in moderation while prioritizing a balanced and nutritious diet is the key to a healthy and satisfying eating experience. Teacher. Good morning, class. Today, we're going to talk about tourism. Can anyone tell me what comes to mind when they hear the term tourism? Student. Um, I think of traveling to different places and exploring new things. Teacher. Absolutely. Tourism refers to the activity of traveling to different destinations for leisure, recreation, or cultural exploration. It's a popular way for people to experience new cultures, visit famous landmarks, and enjoy different environments. Now, let's delve deeper into the world of tourism. Can you give me some examples of tourist destinations? Student. Sure. Places like Paris with the Eiffel Tower, New York City with Times Square, and the Great Wall of China are famous tourist destinations. Teacher. Excellent examples. These destinations attract millions of visitors each year due to their cultural, historical, or natural significance. People travel from all over the world to see iconic landmarks like the Eiffel Tower or experience the bustling atmosphere of Times Square. Student. Are there different types of tourism? Teacher. Yes, there are various types of tourism. One common type is leisure tourism, where people travel for relaxation and enjoyment. It can include beach vacations, spa retreats, or visiting theme parks. Cultural tourism focuses on exploring the art, history, and traditions of a particular destination. Ecotourism involves visiting natural environments while minimizing impact and supporting conservation efforts. Adventure tourism involves activities like hiking, mountain climbing, or exploring remote regions. These are just a few examples, and there are many more niche forms of tourism. Student. Is tourism important for countries and local communities? Teacher. Absolutely. Tourism plays a significant role in the economy of many countries and communities. It creates job opportunities in various sectors such as hospitality, transportation, and entertainment. Additionally, tourism generates revenue through accommodations, dining, shopping, and attractions, which can help support local businesses and infrastructure development. Student. Are there any challenges associated with tourism? Teacher. Yes, there can be challenges related to tourism. One of the main challenges is the environmental impact. Popular tourist destinations often face issues like overcrowding, waste management, and strain on natural resources. Cultural impacts can also occur when local traditions and communities are affected by an influx of tourists. Additionally, there can be concerns about maintaining the authenticity and integrity of cultural heritage sites in the face of heavy tourism. Student. How can we be responsible tourists? Teacher. Being a responsible tourist means being mindful of the impact we have on the places we visit. 
Some tips include respecting local customs and traditions, being conscious of our environmental footprint by minimizing waste and conserving resources, and supporting local businesses and communities. It's also important to follow guidelines and regulations set by the destination and be aware of cultural sensitivities. Student. Can you recommend any resources to learn more about tourism? Teacher. Absolutely. There are many resources available to learn more about tourism. Books, travel magazines, and websites dedicated to travel and tourism provide valuable insights. Additionally, official tourism websites for specific countries or destinations offer detailed information about attractions, activities, and travel tips. Student, thank you for the information. Now I have a better understanding of tourism and how to be a responsible traveler. Teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Remember, tourism is an exciting way to explore the world, but it's important to approach it with respect for the environment, culture, and local communities. Enjoy your future travels responsibly. Teacher, good morning, class. Today, we're going to talk about hotels. Can anyone tell me what comes to mind when they hear the term hotel? Student, um, I think of a place where people stay when they're traveling away from home. Teacher, exactly. A hotel is an establishment that provides lodging, accommodations, and various services for travelers or guests. It's a temporary home away from home for people who are exploring new places or on business trips. Now, let's dive deeper into the world of hotels. Can you give me some examples of hotel amenities or services? Student, sure. Hotels usually have rooms for guests to sleep in, and they might have a restaurant, swimming pool, gym, and Wi-Fi. Teacher, excellent examples. Hotels typically offer comfortable guest rooms or suites with beds, bathrooms, and basic amenities. Many hotels also provide additional services like room service, housekeeping, and concierge assistance to enhance the guest experience. Amenities such as restaurants, bars, fitness centers, spas, and conference rooms are commonly found in hotels to cater to various needs. Student, how do hotels categorize their rooms? Teacher, hotels often categorize their rooms based on different factors such as size, bed configuration, and available facilities. Common room types include standard rooms, deluxe rooms, suites, and executive rooms. Some hotels might also offer special themed rooms or rooms with specific features like balconies or scenic views. Student, are there different types of hotels? Teacher. Yes, there are various types of hotels that cater to different preferences and budgets. Full-service hotels provide a wide range of amenities and services, while limited-service hotels offer fewer facilities. Luxury hotels focus on providing high-end accommodations and exceptional services, while budget hotels offer more affordable options for travelers. Additionally, boutique hotels, resorts, bed and breakfasts, and extended-stay hotels are other types you may come across. Student. How can guests book a hotel room? Teacher, guests can book hotel rooms through different methods. They can contact the hotel directly through phone or email to make a reservation. Many hotels also have online booking systems available on their websites. Additionally, there are third-party travel websites and online travel agencies where guests can search for hotels, compare prices, and make reservations. Student. Are there any important things to consider when choosing a hotel? Teacher, 
Yes, there are several factors to consider when choosing a hotel. Location is crucial, as you'll want to stay in a convenient area close to your intended destinations. Price, amenities, and guest reviews are important to ensure the hotel meets your expectations. Additionally, factors like safety, cleanliness, and accessibility should also be taken into account. Student. Can you recommend any resources to learn more about hotels? Teacher. Absolutely. There are many resources available to learn more about hotels. Online travel websites and review platforms like TripAdvisor, Booking!com, and Expedia offer information, reviews, and ratings for various hotels worldwide. Additionally, travel guidebooks and websites like Lonely Planet and Photos provide detailed information and recommendations for hotels in different destinations. Student. Thank you for the information. Now I have a better understanding of hotels and what to consider when booking a room. Teacher. You're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Remember, hotels provide a comfortable and convenient place to stay when you're away from home. Consider your needs and preferences when choosing a hotel to ensure an enjoyable stay during your travels. Teacher. Good morning, class. Today, we're going to talk about travel agencies. Can anyone tell me what comes to mind when they hear the term travel agency? Student. Um, I think of a company or organization that helps people plan and arrange their trips. Teacher. Absolutely. A travel agency, the business that specializes in assisting travelers with various aspects of their trips, such as booking flights, accommodations, transportation, and organizing tours or activities. Now, let's dive deeper into the world of travel agencies. Can you give me some examples of services that a travel agency might offer? Student. Sure. A travel agency might help with booking flights, reserving hotel rooms, arranging transportation, and providing information about tourist attractions and activities. Teacher. Excellent examples. Travel agencies act as intermediaries between travelers and travel suppliers, such as airlines, hotels, and tour operators. They provide a range of services to make the travel experience more convenient and organized for their clients. These services can include researching and recommending destinations, securing transportation and accommodations, and assisting with visa applications or travel insurance. Student. How do travel agencies gather information about destinations and travel options? Teacher. Travel agencies gather information through various sources. They stay updated with travel news, industry trends, and new attractions by subscribing to travel publications, attending industry events, and maintaining relationships with travel suppliers. They also conduct research on destinations, gather feedback from clients, and use online resources, travel guidebooks, and databases to ensure they have the most up-to-date information to assist their clients. Student. Can travel agencies help with planning both domestic and international trips? Teacher. Yes, travel agencies can help with planning both domestic and international trips. Whether you're planning a weekend getaway to a nearby city or a multi-country international adventure, travel agencies can assist with the logistics, provide recommendations, and help create customized itineraries to suit your preferences and budget. Student. How do people usually contact travel agencies? Teacher. People can contact travel agencies through various methods. They can visit the agency's physical location, call their office, or send an email to inquire about their services. 
Many travel agencies also have websites where clients can explore travel options, submit inquiries, and even make online bookings. Some travel agencies may also have social media presence or use messaging apps for communication. Student. Do travel agencies charge fees for their services? Teacher. Yes, travel agencies often charge fees for their services. These fees can vary depending on the complexity of the trip, the services provided, and the agency's policies. Some agencies charge a flat fee or consultation fee for their expertise and time spent planning the trip. Others may earn a commission from the travel suppliers they work with, and therefore, their services may be offered at no additional cost to the client. Student, can you recommend any resources to learn more about travel agencies? Teacher, certainly. To learn more about travel agencies, you can explore their websites to understand their services, read reviews and testimonials from previous clients, and even contact them directly for more information. Additionally, there are industry associations and organizations, such as the American Society of Travel Advisors (ASDA), that provide resources and information about reputable travel agencies and travel industry standards. Student, thank you for the information. Now I have a better understanding of travel agencies and how they can assist with travel planning. Teacher, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Remember, travel agencies can be valuable resources for travelers, providing expertise, convenience, and personalized assistance to make your travel experiences smoother and more enjoyable. Teacher, good morning, class. Today, we're going to talk about limousines. Can anyone tell me what comes to mind when they hear the term limousine? Student, um, I think of a long and luxurious car that is often associated with special events or VIPs. Teacher. Absolutely, a limousine is a type of luxury vehicle that is typically elongated and has a separate compartment for passengers and a chauffeur. It's often associated with elegance, comfort, and special occasions. Now, let's explore the world of limousines in more detail. Can you give me some examples of occasions or events where a limousine might be used? Student, sure. People might use a limousine for weddings, proms, corporate events, or airport transfers. Teacher, excellent examples. Limousines are commonly used for various special events and occasions where individuals or groups want to make a grand entrance or travel in style and comfort. They provide a luxurious and prestigious mode of transportation, adding a touch of sophistication and glamour to the experience. Student, what are some distinctive features of a limousine? Teacher, limousines have several distinctive features that set them apart from regular cars. One of the most notable features is their elongated design, providing more space for passengers and creating a sense of exclusivity. Limousines often come equipped with luxurious amenities such as leather seating, entertainment systems, mini bars, and mood lighting to enhance the passenger experience. Student, who typically uses a limousine? Teacher, limousines are commonly used by individuals or groups who want to enjoy a unique and lavish transportation experience. They are often associated with VIPs, celebrities, corporate executives, and high-profile individuals. However, anyone can choose to rent a limousine for a special event or for a more memorable travel experience. Student, how can one rent a limousine? Teacher, renting a limousine can be done through various means. One option is to contact local limousine rental companies directly. 
They can provide information on available limousines, pricing, and any additional services they offer. Additionally, there are online platforms and reservation websites where you can search and book limousine services in your area. Student. Are there different types of limousines? Teacher. Yes, there are different types of limousines to suit different preferences and occasions. Some common types include stretch limousines, which are elongated versions of traditional cars, and SUV limousines, which are built on the chassis of SUVs and offer more interior space. There are also specialty limousines such as party buses or vintage limousines that provide unique experiences for specific events. Student. Is it expensive to rent a limousine? Teacher. The cost of renting a limousine can vary depending on several factors, including the type of limousine, the duration of the rental, the distance traveled, and any additional services or amenities requested. It's advisable to inquire with different rental companies to compare prices and ensure that the services offered align with your budget and requirements. Student. Can you recommend any resources to learn more about limousines? Teacher. Certainly. To learn more about limousines, you can explore the websites of limousine rental companies in your area. They often provide information about their fleet, services, and pricing. Additionally, online forums, review websites, and travel publications may offer insights and recommendations for reputable limousine rental services. Student. Thank you for the information. Now I have a better understanding of limousines and when they might be used. Teacher. You're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Remember, limousines offer a luxurious and stylish transportation option for special events or occasions, adding an extra touch of sophistication and elegance. Whether it's for a wedding, prom, or any other memorable event, traveling in a limousine can make the experience even more extraordinary. Teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. I'm fine, thank you. Teacher. That's great to hear, Sarah. I wanted to talk to you about an important topic today. Adjectives. Adjectives are words that describe nouns or pronouns. They help us give more information about things. Are you familiar with adjectives? Sarah. Yes, I know a little about them. Teacher. Fantastic. So, let's explore adjectives together. I'll start with a basic example. Let's talk about the adjective sexy. It's a word that describes someone or something that is attractive and appealing. However, it's important to note that sexy is a term that can sometimes be inappropriate or make people uncomfortable, so we need to use it carefully in an appropriate context. Sarah. I understand, Mr. Johnson. Can you give me more examples of adjectives? Teacher. Of course. Here are a few examples of adjectives. Beautiful, happy, big, small, interesting, delicious, and funny. Adjectives can help us provide more details about people, places, or things. For instance, we can say she has a beautiful smile or I saw a big elephant at the zoo. These adjectives make our sentences more descriptive and interesting. Sarah. I see. Can you give me an example using sexy in an appropriate context? Teacher. Certainly, Sarah. Let's use the word sexy in a sentence that is both appropriate and descriptive. How about this? The actor wore a stylish suit and looked very confident on the red carpet. Many people thought he was really handsome and sexy. In this example, we describe the actor's appearance using positive and appropriate language. 
Sarah. Oh, I understand now. So, we should be careful when using the word sexy and make sure it's suitable for the situation. Teacher. Exactly, Sarah. It's crucial to be mindful of the words we choose and how we use them. Language plays a significant role in communication, so we want to make sure we are respectful and considerate of others. Sarah. I'll remember that, Mr. Johnson. Can you give me more examples of adjectives? Teacher. Absolutely. Let's practice some more. How about the adjective tall? It describes someone or something that has a greater height than average. For instance, we can say he is a tall basketball player or the tree in our backyard is very tall. Adjectives like tall help us paint a clearer picture and make our descriptions more precise. Sarah. I'm starting to understand better, Mr. Johnson. Can you give me a task to practice using adjectives? Teacher. Of course, Sarah. Here's a task for you. I want you to observe your surroundings and pick five objects. Then, I want you to describe each object using an adjective. For example, if you see a flower, you can describe it as beautiful or colorful. This exercise will help you practice using adjectives in a fun and interactive way. Sarah. That sounds like a great activity, Mr. Johnson. I'll do it right away. Thank you for explaining adjectives to me. Teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. Remember to take your time and enjoy the process of describing the objects. I'll be here if you have any questions or if you want to share your descriptions later. Sarah. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. I'll do my best. Teacher. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? Michael. Good morning, Ems. Thompson. I'm doing well, thank you. Teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Michael. Today, I want to talk to you about fashion and the word fashionable. Are you familiar with this word? Michael. Yes, I know a little about fashion. Fashionable means something that is trendy or stylish, right? Teacher. That's absolutely right, Michael. Fashionable is an adjective that describes something or someone who is following the latest trends in clothing, accessories, or style. It means being in fashion or having a sense of style. Can you think of any examples of fashionable items or people? Michael. I think people who wear fancy clothes and look stylish are fashionable. Also, I've seen fashionable shoes and handbags in stores. Teacher. Excellent examples, Michael. You have a good understanding of what it means to be fashionable. It's all about having a good sense of style and keeping up with the current trends. Let's try using fashionable in a sentence. How about this? She bought a fashionable dress for the party, and everyone complimented her on her sense of style. Michael. Oh, I see. So, we can use fashionable to describe someone's clothes or accessories. Teacher. That's right, Michael. Fashionable can be used to describe not only clothing but also accessories like bags, shoes, or even hairstyles. It helps us express our opinions about what we consider stylish or trendy. Michael. Can you give me more examples of adjectives related to fashion, Ms. Thompson? Teacher. Of course, Michael. Here are a few more examples. Stylish, trendy, chic, elegant, and fancy. These adjectives are similar to fashionable and can be used to describe fashionable items or people. For instance, we can say he has a stylish haircut or she wore a fancy necklace to the party. Michael. I'm starting to understand better, Ms. Thompson. 
Can you give me a task to practice using adjectives related to fashion? Teacher. Absolutely, Michael. Here's a task for you. I want you to find three pictures of fashionable outfits or accessories from magazines or the internet. Then, describe each picture using an adjective related to fashion. For example, if you find a picture of a trendy dress, you can describe it as stylish or fashion forward. This exercise will help you practice using adjectives related to fashion and improve your vocabulary. Michael. That sounds like a fun activity, Ms. Thompson. I'll search for the pictures and describe them using the adjectives you mentioned. Thank you for explaining fashion to me. Teacher. You're welcome, Michael. Remember to be creative and have fun while completing the task. If you need any help or have any questions, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you. Michael. Thank you, Ms. Thompson. I'm excited to do the task and improve my English skills. Teacher. Good morning, Emily. How are you today? Emily. Good morning, Mr. Anderson. I'm doing well, thank you. Teacher. That's great to hear, Emily. Today, I'd like to talk to you about tailor-made suits. Have you ever heard of a tailor-made suit? Emily. Yes, I think so. Is it a suit that is specially made for a person by a tailor? Teacher. Excellent, Emily. You're absolutely right. A tailor-made suit, also known as a bespoke suit, is a suit that is custom-made to fit a specific person's measurements and preferences. It is created by a skilled tailor who takes precise measurements and carefully crafts the suit to ensure the perfect fit. Emily. That sounds interesting, Mr. Anderson. Can you tell me more about tailor-made suits? Teacher. Certainly, Emily. When someone wants a tailor-made suit, they visit a tailor shop where a professional tailor takes their measurements and helps them choose the fabric, design, and details they want for their suit. The tailor then uses these measurements and specifications to create a unique suit that fits the person perfectly. It's a personalized and high-quality option for those who value fit and style. Emily. That's fascinating. Can you give me an example of how to use tailor-made suit in a sentence? Teacher. Of course, Emily. Here's an example. John wanted to look his best for the wedding, so he decided to have a tailor-made suit made. The suit fit him perfectly and made him feel confident and stylish on the special day. In this sentence, we use tailor-made suit to describe a suit that is custom-made for John, giving him a great fit and enhancing his appearance. Emily. I understand now. So, a tailor-made suit is unique to each person and ensures a perfect fit. Teacher. Exactly, Emily. That's the beauty of tailor-made suits. They are individually crafted to meet each person's specific measurements and style preferences. This personalized approach ensures a comfortable and stylish fit. Emily. Can you tell me more about other types of suits, Mr. Anderson? Teacher. Certainly, Emily. Besides tailor-made suits, there are also ready-to-wear suits and made-to-measure suits. Ready-to-wear suits are pre-made and available in standard sizes. Made-to-measure suits are a middle ground between ready-to-wear and tailor-made. They are partially pre-made but can be adjusted to some extent to fit a person's measurements. Emily. That's interesting. So, tailor-made suits offer the most customized fit and style. Teacher. That's correct, Emily. Tailor-made suits are the epitome of customization and personalization. 
They allow individuals to have a suit that is uniquely theirs, perfectly tailored to their body shape and style preferences. Emily. Thank you for explaining tailor-made suits to me, Mr. Anderson. Can you give me a task to practice using this new vocabulary? Teacher. Absolutely, Emily. Your task is to imagine that you are attending a special event, like a formal dinner or a graduation ceremony. Write a short paragraph describing how you would feel and what you would wear if you had a tailor-made suit for that occasion. Use the vocabulary we discussed, including tailor-made suit, to describe your outfit and the confidence it gives you. This exercise will help you practice using the new vocabulary in a creative way. Emily. That sounds like a fun activity, Mr. Anderson. I will write the paragraph and make sure to use the new vocabulary correctly. Thank you for helping me improve my English skills. Teacher. You're welcome, Emily. I'm glad you find it enjoyable. Remember to express yourself and be imaginative in your writing. If you have any questions or need any assistance, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you. Emily. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. I'm excited to complete the task and learn more. Teacher. Good morning, David. How are you today? David. Good morning, Mrs. Johnson. I'm okay, thank you. Teacher. I'm glad to hear that, David. Today, I wanted to talk to you about quarrels and conflicts. Have you ever been in a quarrel or argument with someone? David. Yes, sometimes my sister and I argue about small things. Teacher. That's quite common, David. Sometimes disagreements and conflicts happen between people. When two or more people have a disagreement and express their differing opinions or feelings in a heated or angry way, we call it a quarrel or an argument. It's important to learn how to handle such situations appropriately. David. How can we handle quarrels properly, Mrs. Johnson? Teacher. That's a great question, David. The first step is to remain calm and try to understand the other person's perspective. It's important to listen to their point of view and express your own thoughts in a respectful manner. Avoid shouting or insulting the other person as that can escalate the situation. Instead, try to find a solution or compromise that works for both parties. David. So, we should stay calm and listen to the other person during a quarrel. Can you give me an example sentence using the word quarrel? Teacher. Absolutely, David. Here's an example. Jane and her friend had a quarrel about which movie to watch. They both had different preferences, but eventually, they decided to compromise and watch a movie they both liked. In this sentence, we use the word quarrel to describe a disagreement between Jane and her friend. David. I understand. It's important to find a solution or compromise during a quarrel. Teacher. Yes, David. Finding a solution or compromise is crucial to resolving conflicts. It's also important to communicate openly and honestly, expressing your feelings and concerns while respecting the other person's perspective. David, can you give me more examples of words related to quarrels or conflicts? Teacher, certainly, David. Here are a few examples. Disagreement, dispute, argument, clash, and confrontation. These words describe different aspects of conflicts and can be used to talk about quarrels or disagreements between people. David. I'm starting to understand better, Mrs. Johnson. Can you give me a task to practice using these words? Teacher. Absolutely, David. 
Here's a task for you. I want you to think of a situation where you had a disagreement or quarrel with someone. Write a short paragraph describing the conflict, how you handled it, and what you learned from the experience. Try to use some of the words we discussed, like quarrel or disagreement, in your writing. This exercise will help you practice using the vocabulary and reflect on conflict resolution. David, that sounds like a helpful activity, Mrs. Johnson. I will write the paragraph and make sure to use the new vocabulary correctly. Thank you for guiding me through this, teacher. You're welcome, David. I'm glad you find the activity helpful. Remember to express yourself and reflect on the resolution process in your writing. If you have any questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you, David. Thank you, Mrs. Johnson. I'll do my best and ask for help if I need it. Teacher, good morning, Sarah. How are you today, Sarah? Good morning, Mr. Davis. I'm feeling a bit down today. Teacher, I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. Is there something bothering you? Sarah, yes, I had an unpleasant experience yesterday, and I can't stop thinking about it. Teacher, I understand, Sarah. Sometimes we encounter unpleasant situations that can affect our mood. Would you like to talk about what happened, Sarah? Yes, that would be helpful. Yesterday, I had an argument with my best friend, and it made me feel really sad. Teacher, I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. Arguments with friends can be tough. The word unpleasant is a good way to describe situations or experiences that make us feel unhappy, uncomfortable, or not enjoyable. It's important to remember that unpleasant experiences are a part of life, but we can learn from them and grow stronger. Sarah, that makes sense, Mr. Davis. Can you give me an example sentence using the word unpleasant? Teacher, of course, Sarah. Here's an example. Going to the dentist can be an unpleasant experience for some people, but it's necessary for maintaining good oral health. In this sentence. We use the word unpleasant to describe the feeling some people have when they visit the dentist. Sarah, I see. So unpleasant is used to describe things that make us feel unhappy or uncomfortable. Teacher, exactly, Sarah. That's a great way to understand it. Unpleasant is often used to describe experiences, situations, or feelings that we would rather avoid or find difficult. Sarah, can you give me more examples of words related to unpleasant? Teacher, certainly, Sarah. Here are a few examples: distasteful, uncomfortable, displeasing, offensive, and disturbing. These words are similar to unpleasant and can be used to describe things that are not enjoyable or make us feel uncomfortable. Sarah, thank you, Mr. Davis. I'm starting to get a better understanding of these words. Can you give me a task to practice using them? Teacher, absolutely, Sarah. Here's a task for you. I want you to think of three different situations that you found unpleasant or uncomfortable. Write a short paragraph describing each situation and how it made you feel. Try to use some of the words we discussed, like unpleasant or discomfort, in your writing. This exercise will help you practice using the vocabulary and reflect on your experiences. Sarah, that sounds like a helpful task, Mr. Davis. I will write the paragraphs and make sure to use the new words correctly. Thank you for guiding me through this, teacher. You're welcome, Sarah. 
I'm glad you find the task helpful. Remember to express yourself honestly and reflect on your feelings in your writing. If you have any questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you. Sarah. Thank you, Mr. Davis. I'll do my best and reach out if I need help. Teacher. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit upset. Teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Alex. Is there something specific bothering you? Alex. Yes, I got into a fight with my classmate yesterday, and I don't know how to handle it. Teacher. I understand, Alex. Fights or conflicts can be difficult to deal with. Let's talk about it and find ways to handle such situations. First, can you tell me a little bit about what happened? Alex. Well, we were playing a game during recess, and we started arguing about the rules. It quickly escalated into a physical fight, and I'm not sure how to make things right. Teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Alex. It's important to remember that physical fights are not the right way to resolve conflicts. The word fight can refer to a physical altercation, but it can also mean a strong disagreement or argument between people. Alex. I see. So, fight can describe both physical conflicts and disagreements. Teacher. Exactly, Alex. That's correct. Fight can be used to describe both physical altercations and verbal disagreements. It's essential to find healthier ways to resolve conflicts and express our feelings without resorting to physical violence. Alex. Can you give me an example sentence using the word fight? Teacher. Of course, Alex. Here's an example. Tom and Jerry had a fight over who would get the last slice of pizza. They argued loudly, but eventually, they decided to share it. In this sentence, we use the word fight to describe a disagreement between Tom and Jerry about the pizza. Alex. I understand. So, fight can also describe arguments or disagreements between people. Teacher. Yes, that's correct, Alex. Fight can be used to describe any strong disagreement or conflict between individuals. It's important to find peaceful resolutions and communicate effectively to resolve conflicts. Alex. Can you give me more examples of words related to fight? Teacher. Certainly, Alex. Here are a few examples. Quarrel, dispute, conflict, altercation, and confrontation. These words are similar to fight and can be used to describe different aspects of conflicts or disagreements between people. Alex. Thank you, Enns. Johnson. I'm starting to get a better understanding. Can you give me a task to practice using these words? Teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Here's a task for you. I want you to imagine a situation where you had a disagreement or argument with someone. Write a short paragraph describing the conflict, how you resolved it peacefully, and what you learned from the experience. Try to use some of the words we discussed, like fight or quarrel, in your writing. This exercise will help you practice using the vocabulary and reflect on conflict resolution. Alex. That sounds like a helpful activity, Ems. Johnson. I will write the paragraph and make sure to use the new words correctly. Thank you for guiding me through this. Teacher. You're welcome, Alex. I'm glad you find the activity helpful. Remember to express yourself honestly and reflect on the peaceful resolution process in your writing. If you have any questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you. 
Alex. Thank you, Enns. Johnson. I'll do my best and reach out if I need help. Teacher. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Lisa. Good morning, Mr. Thompson. I'm feeling a bit upset. Teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Lisa. Is there something specific bothering you? Lisa. Yes, my friend did something that hurt my feelings, and I'm finding it hard to move past it. Teacher. I understand, Lisa. Forgiveness can be challenging, but it's an important skill to learn. Let's talk about it and explore ways to forgive others. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened? Lisa. Well, my friend accidentally broke my favorite toy, and I was really mad at them. I want to forgive them, but it's difficult. Teacher. I see, Lisa. Forgiveness is a process that allows us to let go of anger and resentment towards others. It's important to understand that forgiving someone doesn't mean forgetting what happened or pretending it didn't hurt. It means finding a way to move forward and heal the relationship. Lisa. So, forgiveness means letting go of anger and resentment towards others? Teacher. Yes, that's right, Lisa. Forgiveness is about releasing negative feelings and finding peace within ourselves. It's a way to restore harmony and understanding in our relationships. Lisa. Can you give me an example sentence using the word forgive? Teacher. Certainly, Lisa. Here's an example. After some time, Lisa found it in her heart to forgive her friend for breaking her toy. She realized that holding on to anger was not helping their friendship. In this sentence, we use the word forgive to describe Lisa's decision to let go of her anger and resentment towards her friend. Lisa. I understand. So, forgive is about making a decision to let go of negative feelings towards someone. Teacher. Exactly, Lisa. Forgiveness is a choice we make to release negative emotions and move forward in a positive way. It's important to remember that forgiving someone doesn't mean condoning their actions or pretending everything is okay. It's about finding inner peace and allowing room for healing. Lisa. Can you give me more examples of words related to forgive? Teacher. Certainly, Lisa. Here are a few examples. Pardon, excuse, reconcile, absolve, and let go. These words are similar to forgive and can be used to describe the process of forgiving someone or letting go of negative emotions. Lisa. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. I'm starting to get a better understanding. Can you give me a task to practice using these words? Teacher. Absolutely, Lisa. Here's a task for you. I want you to think of a situation where someone did something that hurt your feelings. Write a short paragraph describing the situation, how you forgave the person, and what you learned from the experience. Try to use some of the words we discussed, like forgive or let go, in your writing. This exercise will help you practice using the vocabulary and reflect on the process of forgiveness. Lisa. That sounds like a helpful activity, Mr. Thompson. I will write the paragraph and make sure to use the new words correctly. Thank you for guiding me through this. Teacher. You're welcome, Lisa. I'm glad you find the activity helpful. Remember to express yourself honestly and reflect on your journey towards forgiveness in your writing. If you have any questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you. Lisa. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. I'll do my best and reach out if I need help. Teacher. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? Mark. 
Good morning, Mrs. Anderson. I'm feeling a bit confused. Teacher. I'm sorry to hear that, Mark. Is there something specific bothering you? Mark. Yes, I heard someone mention the word oblivion in a conversation, and I'm not sure what it means. Teacher. I understand, Mark. Oblivion is an interesting word. Let's talk about it and explore its meaning together. Can you tell me a little bit about the context in which you heard the word? Mark. Well, I overheard my parents talking about an old movie, and they said it fell into oblivion. I don't understand what that means. Teacher. I see, Mark. Oblivion is a word used to describe a state of being completely forgotten or unknown, especially in the context of things or ideas. When something falls into oblivion, it means that it has been completely disregarded or ignored over time. Mark. So, oblivion means being completely forgotten or ignored? Teacher. Yes, that's right, Mark. When we say something falls into oblivion, it means it has been neglected or overlooked to the point of being forgotten by most people. Mark. Can you give me an example sentence using the word oblivion? Teacher. Certainly, Mark. Here's an example. After the invention of smartphones, the use of traditional landline phones gradually fell into oblivion. In this sentence, we use the word oblivion to describe the state of traditional landline phones being forgotten or disregarded due to the rise of smartphones. Mark. I understand. So, oblivion is about something being forgotten or disregarded over time. Teacher. Exactly, Mark. Oblivion describes the state of something being completely forgotten or disregarded, often as a result of the passage of time or changing circumstances. Mark. Can you give me more examples of words related to oblivion? Teacher. Certainly, Mark. Here are a few examples. Unnoticed, ignored, neglected, anonymous, and forgotten. These words are similar to oblivion and can be used to describe the state of something or someone being disregarded or forgotten. Mark. Thank you, Mrs. Anderson. I'm starting to understand it better. Can you give me a task to practice using these words? Teacher. Absolutely, Mark. Here's a task for you. I want you to think of a situation or object that has been forgotten or ignored. Write a short paragraph describing it and explaining why it has fallen into oblivion. Try to use some of the words we discussed, like oblivion or forgotten, in your writing. This exercise will help you practice using the vocabulary and reflect on the concept of being disregarded. Mark. That sounds like an interesting task, Mrs. Anderson. I will write the paragraph and make sure to use the new words correctly. Thank you for guiding me through this. Teacher. You're welcome, Mark. I'm glad you find the task interesting. Remember to express yourself clearly and reflect on the reasons behind the state of oblivion in your writing. If you have any questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. I'm here to support you. Mark. Thank you, Mrs. Anderson. I'll do my best and reach out if I need help.